Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I'm Erica Ashley. I have a really cool guest on the show today. Her name is Evelyn. She is a business and a life coach. She works predominantly in NLP, which is neuro linguistics programming. And uh, she's also a clinical hypnotherapist. We had a really cool conversation. We talked a lot about your subconscious mind and how that plays a major role in your life. And you may not even know about it. Brain waves and how you can like slow down your brain waves. So you can get into the space where you can reprogram things generational trauma, which I had never heard of. I never heard of generational trauma and I found it to be completely fascinating. She goes into detail on that, but basically certain things like PTSD or stress, anxiety, depression can be passed down genetically. It's it's a newer science that's being researched, but it's completely fascinating to me. She talks about hypnosis which I have actually done before. Hypnosis is not like all woo-woo, let me swing a clock in front of your face. It's much more like a meditation really. And she talks about how that helps along with meditation, all in the sake of helping you rewrite limiting beliefs. We all have them. We all have a limiting belief somewhere in our life. And a lot of the time it can stem from childhood It's usually where it stems from, although they can come up later in life too. But I just, I find it really interesting to see how other people are working through things that have been affecting them for so long. There's so many different techniques and approaches. And I really think it's about finding what works for you. Something might work for somebody else and it doesn't work for you, but something's going to work for you that doesn't work for them. And it's a lot of trial and error, but I think just opening yourself up to things you may have never considered before, like for me, hypnosis, I had a, I had a friend who did it and swore by it. And I was like, I'm going to give this a try. And I did it for a solid, almost a year, I think a year. And, um, it definitely works. I don't know if it's like the, the one thing for me, but it, during that time when I needed it so badly, it was definitely a really big, uh, a tool for me that helped me get over a lot of stuff that I was dealing with. So I just find this episode to be really informative in different ways that you may have not been aware of or considered before, or you'd heard, but didn't really know what it was. And she does a really good job explaining all the different like modalities that she uses in her coaching. Long story short, here's Evelyn. I hope you enjoy this episode. I found it to be just completely completely, completely fascinating. Do you want to explain a little bit of what it is that you do? Because I think a lot of people don't fully understand like hypnosis and stuff, especially, and I think it comes from like how Hollywood has portrayed it. In the broader terms, you know, I'm a spiritual evolution coach. So I ignite mission-driven leaders and coaches to tap into their fullest potential elementless wealth consciousness by rewriting generational stories and transforming patterns and behaviors that are holding them back, essentially your limiting beliefs. And so through that, um, I'm certified in neurolinguistic programming, clinical hypnotherapy, time techniques, emotional freedom techniques, and a couple of other things that just really helps the human mind actually transform because 
because oftentimes when we are embarking on a new journey, whether it is to find your soulmate or to, you know, build a business and succeed or whether it's to lose weight, um, we often focus on the outward, you know, the reality, like we focus on like, okay, let's like get that new gym membership or let's like create that website. But we don't realize that what actually drives all of that is our mind, our subconscious mind and our identity. And so I do a lot of inner child work with clients and generational work. And yeah, so to answer your question, hypnosis and meditation are very similar to each other. Um, Both of them really allow a human to tap into their subconscious mind, which is what actually stores all of their beliefs, their patterns, their behaviors, and is actually responsible for over 95% of their reality. So how do you, if somebody's like, okay, where do I begin? Like I have this subconscious mind, but like it's subconscious, you know, like how do you get yourself to tap into that? Yeah. So, I mean, from the moment that we're awake till the moment we go to bed, we're constantly on like everyone, as you see, is just like on autopilot. Right. And so when you're on autopilot, the behaviors and the things that you do is a direct result of your subconscious mind. So that's why meditation and hypnosis can mostly meditation because hypnosis, I find that it's easier when you have like someone walking you through a session or when you're listening to maybe a hypnosis tape, um, because you're in a, you're getting into like a really like deep meditative state, if you will. Meditation, you know, you hear all the successful people talk about how meditation has been their key to success. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard for some people who are constantly go, 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 especially in this day and age. And so the first step I would say is create, like do some sort of meditation. There's multiple types. There's, you know, the mindfulness where you just sit and you see like the yogis do it in yoga or maybe there's movement meditation. So people who like gardening, or if you go to the gym, when your mind is focused on this one activity, like whether it's walking, then you're able to easily, easier tap into your subconscious mind, which is when you're able to start reprogramming the things that are in there, right? So asking yourself like, you know, why am I doing this? Or like, why am, is this happening all the time? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's more about like getting yourself to slow down and be present. Yes. Yeah. We're always like either thinking about the ruminating about the past and we're getting, you know, those depressive symptoms from that, or we're constantly thinking about the future and worrying about it. And we're getting those feelings of like anxiousness. Mm-hmm. It's so I've dealt with anxiety for a lot of my life and meditation is one of, I tell everybody, it's one of the only things that really helps. And it took me a really long time to say, I'm going to sit down and try this. People had been telling me for years to do it. And I was like, no, no. And then I started doing it and I'm like, oh, there's, they're right. I should have listened. Um, But it's so interesting because you do, at least for me, it, it literally feels like you put yourself back in your body. Yes. And I've also tried hypnosis. I did hypnosis for a really long time because I was, I was just like felt out of control with my anxiety. And I don't know. I think I had a different expectation of what hypnosis was, but it is very much a meditation that somebody walks you through and you listen to the tape and it's over and over and over. And then it goes into your subconscious. And I, it was so interesting because I think I've always heard like, oh, hypnotize yourself and like, you're good. 
you know, but it's like, you really like, there's nothing in life that's like this quick fix. And so I love that you use like different techniques to like help you get where you want to go. Yeah. And I mean, like you mentioned at the very beginning, you know, Hollywood, social media, even like childhood movies I've seen where they portray hypnosis as you see on the screen, like that black and white circle that just like, and then if you guys are watching this right now, then you'll see like my hands like going in a circle and it's like, or you put like that clock in front of someone's face and then the eye gets like drowsy. And the next thing you know, they're doing like crazy stuff, you know, jumping off buildings, et cetera. And that's what a lot of people think hypnosis is there. They think that it's very dangerous and it's very, negatively driven and it's not like that at all you know we can't make somebody do something that they don't actually want to do and your subconscious mind the whole point of it is that it wants to protect you and preserve the body so anything that's going to be a threat or a danger to you your subconscious mind's going to be like nope this does not make sense and it's going to snap you out of it so there's no way where a client can be in hypnosis and then you're like, go jump off a building. And then the client's going to go jump off a building. Like that's just, that doesn't happen. Yeah. That's really interesting because, because you think subconscious and you're like, well, I'm not even aware, aware of it, but like you still are. Can you talk about like how the brain waves act during like hypnosis or meditation? Because I think that's really interesting. Yeah. So there's five main brain waves. The fastest and the speediest one is called gamma. And that's sometimes you can't even see that on the screen because it's happening so fast. So that's when we are really alert and focused. Like I'm talking about studying, um, solving problems, like where you have to really be focused on that one specific thing. Then there's the beta state. So that's a little bit slower where it's you and I right now talking, the listeners listening, you know, you're still alert and you're focused and you're using your conscious mind. Then we go into alpha and theta, and that's where we start getting into the meditation and hypnosis state. So alpha state is, you know, it's like that daydreaming state, you know, right before bed when you're watching a movie and you're half awake, half asleep, or even right in the morning when you're waking up and you're still half awake, half asleep. So that's the alpha state. So that's kind of the the beginning stages of meditation. And hypnosis, which you can still, a lot of stuff can still happen there. That's where visualization and manifestation is really, really powerful. And then the rewiring and that reprogramming I find is in the theta state. And that's when you're in a deep state of hypnosis and meditation. And then the last state is the slowest of them. It's the delta state. And that's where we're sleeping and our body's kind of regenerating itself. You know, your hair is regrowing, your nails, your skin, and your body's kind of like rebuilding. It's, it's like resting and, re- and relaxing. So if you're in, if you, if you're wanting to reprogram something, you have to be in the theta state for that? Alpha to theta, for sure. Can you do that on your own or do you need somebody to help you? Like if you're like, if somebody's wanting to reprogram, like, I guess like a limiting belief, right? Right. Is that where you have to get to? So if you, okay, so here's, I mean, and I feel like everyone's going to say this a little bit differently depending on who you talk to. So theta state is normally where we kind of get clients to go into um, alpha and theta for hypnosis. And you can do it on your own without, you know, a hypnotherapist. Um, but it definitely would be a little bit more challenging if you were just 
putting in music and trying to go to it on your own. So there's a lot of amazing, like, honestly, if you go on YouTube, there's a million free meditations, hypnosis, um, that you can go into. And the more experienced people get, and the more experience you have putting yourself into a meditative state and, you know, just really allowing yourself to anchor in that feeling. I think it's easier. It's hard for me. Like for me, meditation, I think the longest time I've ever gone into a meditation is probably like 15 minutes. And I still find that I'm like just tapping into the alpha state. So to get into the theta state, I often find that especially when you're at the beginning stages, you definitely want to have some sort of like guided meditation or guided hypnosis to support you, but you don't necessarily need like another human being. There's so many recordings online. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. I just, I think when people sometimes are like nervous, like they don't know if they want to talk to somebody about it, but they're like, I recognize that I'm having this issue can I do this on my own? Or like, do I really need somebody there to like support me? And I think support's always great, but like for people who might not be comfortable with it, I was just curious. Uh, Well, I mean, mind you, alpha and theta I talk about is where, when is the place that you want to get to in meditation to do that reprogramming. But I work with a lot of clients where we don't even have to get to the meditation or hypnosis point and we rewire their beliefs. So especially when you're talking specifically about limiting beliefs, there's definitely multiple steps that you can kind of go through um, to identify that limiting belief, to figure out what is currently the consequences that are holding you back, thinking about this limiting belief, and then consciously choosing what belief you want to think about instead, and then giving giving yourself steps to follow moving forward to continuously rewire that. So there's a lot of times where I work with clients on the conscious level, consciously, like we're talking, right? But you get to journal things out. Like journaling is an amazing way to help you rewire your brain too. That's why they talk about affirmations and manifestation and that you don't need anybody else around you. You just need to be willing enough to get past your own bullshit, you know, to, cause oftentimes we tell ourselves these stories, like, you know, I got this, like I'm, I'm fine. And if you continue believing that story and you're not actually willing to change or break through your limiting beliefs, then you're never going to break through because you have that resistance there. But if you're like, you know what, I got some shit under here. Like I need to dig this out. I'm willing. I don't want to talk to anyone right now, but I'm willing to do this on my own. I'm going to do self meditations or I'm going to journal and I'm actually going to get really real and write down what it is that I'm struggling with, what my limiting beliefs are, and then follow X, Y, and Z step to actually work through it. Then yeah, everyone can for sure do it on their own. They just have to be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like a daily effort. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, our brain's a muscle, like you can't get that nice booty or that toned waist or those like Michelle Obama arms just by wishing for it. Right. Like you've got to work out either like consistently. So with our brain, if you actually want to reprogram your brain and rewire those beliefs, then it has to be that consistent effort. Do you have, um, like a specific way that you have your clients do affirmations? Because I think, and for a while, this was me where people were like, just say like, I'm successful. And like, you say it, but like, you're not believing it. You're like, yeah, I just keep saying this to myself and nothing's happening. 
Oh my God. Yes, dude. I actually was just talking about this with a couple of clients the other day because I was that person when I went into the entrepreneurial space, every guru's like positive affirmation. So I lived with my parents at that time, like actually living in with my parents right now. I'm just staying with my parents. Um, so I would go into my mom's closet because everywhere in my house, else in my house, like there would be so many people and they say to say it out loud, like with conviction. So I'm like, okay, like I'll do this. So I went into her closet and I'm like, I like, I'm a, like, yeah, I'm successful. I'm beautiful. And not a single part of me believed it. Mm-hmm. And so I re- like, and then I was like, is something wrong with me? Because everyone mm-hmm. says that you do affirmations and you're going to reach that success, which it's yes and no, because your beliefs and your identity is really important. A lot of us have grown up with these beliefs that you know, stem from childhood. For example, if you grew up your entire life thinking that you're not worthy of success, you're not worthy of making money, you are ugly and you're fat, maybe because you've gone bullied or you've had family members tell you that and you go through life thinking that. Because remember, anything that happens after the words I am is stored as your identity. Your subconscious mind remembers it as that. So what happens is when you just start writing these beliefs or see, sorry, these affirmations that you don't actually believe, what happens is there's a part of our mind called the critical factor. And this critical factor is what helps us kind of distinguish between what's reality and what's like a fantasy in a way. And so when you have these beliefs, quote unquote, coming in, like, or sorry, affirmations, if it doesn't actually align with your subconscious beliefs. So for example, if you're saying I am successful, I am, you know, a a millionaire or whatever. And then in your subconscious mind, it's like, no, you're not like, you're not worthy. Like you're going to be broke. You're broke. You're broke your entire life. Your critical factor does three things. It deletes, it distorts, or it generalizes. So it's like you're saying the affirmation, but then your sub- your critical factor is probably deleting it or it's distorting it back to its original belief in your mind. And so until you actually rewire why or why you're unworthy or why you don't actually believe you can be successful, no amount of saying that you're going to be successful is really going to help. And so that's why when it comes to affirmations um, or like manifesting, I always recommend clients to really feel into their body because when you're creating an affirmation, it's not most, it's not about the words. It's about the feeling that comes with it. So if you're saying something like that, if it doesn't feel anything inside of your body, it's not going to have as much of the positive effects as everybody else talks about. So instead of maybe like, I am successful, it's like, you know, I am capable of X, Y, and Z, or like I have the ability to X, Y, and Z. So you see how it's like, not as like dead set as like, I'm successful, but it's like, okay, I can believe that I am capable of this or that I have the ability to do this. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, you want to like slowly move yourself forward into being like, well, maybe I'm not successful right now, but I can be. Mm -hmm. So then, so, so then say you have the limiting belief, like I'm unworthy because somebody said something to you when you were a kid if you, maybe you're not aware that like, that's the thought that's replaying in your head. What can you do to bring out those and be like, Oh, this is, this is what that limiting belief is. So when you're saying an affirmation, if you're like, this doesn't feel true to me, like ask yourself, like, is this true? Your body knows, like when you close your eyes, take 3d breaths, tune into your body, you'll know if you're just saying this because you've seen everybody else say it, or if you're saying it, cause you truly believe it, there's going to be a visceral feeling inside of your body where it's like, 
I believe this. So if you're saying, you know, I am successful and you don't believe that, then it's time to turn inward and be like, why don't I believe that I'm successful? Mm. At what point in my life did I start believing this way? Because as children, we all thought that we were successful, right? Like as babies, like we're like, I can walk, I can do this. Like how many times have you seen kids, they'll see adults do X, Y, and Z and they'd be like, let me do that because they have this conviction that they're going to be able to do it. They walk, they fall down, they get back up. Like kids have this like unshakable confidence in Mm -hmm. themselves. And so at some point in that journey of growing and evolving in this <laughs> three-dimensional world and society and cultural and religion and all that, there's been people or multiple people that have told us at some point or made us feel like we just weren't capable anymore. So then instead of being like, I'm confident and I'm successful, it's like, no, you're not. And so that's where you really want to ask yourself, like, when did I start believing this or whose belief is this? Or where was the first time I started believing that I wasn't capable of success or wasn't able to be successful? So it's really asking yourself those empowered, like those, those deeper questions that oftentimes we stay away from. Mm-hmm. When I was doing hypnosis, um, the girl that I was going to always made me ask why why for everything? Why do I believe this? Why do I feel like this? And then, and I started doing it that way, but then I started also really applying it towards like, why do I want this instead? Like, why do I want? And I, and I think before, because like you said, we all are so on autopilot all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't take the time to ask ourselves what's going on. Why are we doing anything that we're doing? hundred percent. I mean, as human beings, we're such a creature of habits, right? Like even as children, like we love routines. We love that certainty. Human beings love certainty because anything outside of the realm of certainty is unfamiliarity. It's uncertainty. It's outside of that comfort zone. And like I mentioned, your subconscious mind, it's sole job really is to keep you safe. It wants to protect you. So anything that's outside of that comfort zone, it starts deeming it as fight or flight. Like it starts deeming it as like alert, alert, alert. Like, don't do this. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like you could probably fall off a cliff. You could probably fail. And so it's really about when you can, and think of that as like your inner child, like it's just scared. And so instead of trying to push that fear away, it's about leaning into that fear being like, talking to it, like as if it were a child, like you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then that's when people build up this resilience to not be on autopilot anymore, to take more action in their life, to be more intentional. And these are, this is what I, what you kind of can see as like a spiritual awakening. People who like wake up, you know, 2020 did that to a lot of us where we're like, I can't keep living like this anymore. I didn't realize how miserable I was and I need to make a change. And so yeah, I think everything that you were saying was just like hitting me on the head. Inner child work, you mentioned that you use that a lot with clients. How do you specifically, is it what you were just saying or do you go deeper than just like soothing yourself? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the basis of inner child work is that all, most, if not all of us, have some sort of a wounded inner child who didn't get all the things that we should have gone as a child, right? Whether it was the love, 
the joy, the validation, the understanding, the safetyness to, or the safety to express our emotions. Um, a lot of us didn't get that. And so, but a lot of us also don't realize that we have a wounded inner child. Like a lot of people are in disbelief that they even have a wounded inner child. Like my childhood was so great, blah, mm-hmm. blah, That is usually a clear sign for me that someone has a wounded inner child. Like if you <laughs> believe that you had such a great childhood, because then oftentimes they're living in denial. There's not been a single client that I've worked with that was like, I had a great childhood because oftentimes it's because they suppressed all the things that weren't so great or they pushed it off because they're like, oh, that's just how, how it is. But no one ever has a perfect childhood, no matter what your race, gender, ethnicity, or even like the amount of money that you have, because yeah, anyways, that's a whole other topic. But so when it comes to inner child work, it's about realizing that like, wow, like all the things that I'm doing in my life right now, my patterns, behaviors is a result of my inner child, um, but also all the blocks, the mental blocks, the emotional blocks and triggers, the limiting beliefs, every single one of them can be traced back to a point in childhood. And so when I work with clients, it's about identifying, like, I don't like going into the past unless that past is directly affecting your future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes my work a lot different than a lot of other people who have like who will deem like therapists and and mental health professionals. Like there's a beautiful time and place for them. I'm not harping on them in any way, but I just had too many clients tell me like, Evelyn, like working with you actually moved me forward because when I worked with my ex, you know, psychiatrist or my ex like therapist, like all I did was just constantly sit in the past and it was like it was not fun like I would just go to my therapy appointments and all I'm talking about is the past and like I don't want to just talk about the past and so that's when I really realized like people just want to move forward and so why are we going into the past when it's not affecting your future right now and then when it does then we can go into the past you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so for me working with clients I go through something called the spark method in my spark sessions. And so it's my five-step signature method to help my clients overcome any and all blocks, triggers, limiting beliefs, and all that. And so the first thing that we do is we kind of set the stage. So we set the stage of their life and we start to pinpoint the different characters on that stage who have played a role in who they are today. So maybe that might be a mom, a dad, that teacher that abandoned them, or maybe it was like a step parent, maybe a sibling that really bullied them. And then we start pinpointing the root cause. So where in your life did this first belief happen? So maybe it's the belief that I'm not enough, right? And so we like think about mowing a lawn. Oftentimes, you know, we're trying to get rid of the weed, the limiting belief or the block, and we're mowing the lawn and we're mowing it. Great. You trim it down a little bit, but then it keeps growing back quicker and faster. So until you actually get rid of that root, Mm. it's going to keep coming back. It's going to keep showing up in your life. But when you actually get to the root, the root is gone. It's not going to come back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so when we, so then we pinpoint that root cause, we figure out where and when it's kind of happened. And then we acknowledge the challenge. So acknowledging the challenge is honestly like understanding what is really going on. Like what, where is this affecting you in your life? Because oftentimes we take the surface level For example, I have clients, you know, business clients who are afraid of showing up on social media and they think that 
the the problem is that I have a like I just I I I fear going on Instagram live or I fear Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. But then when you really take it one step further and one step further, you realize that this person has a fear of judgment. This person has a fear of standing out. And then when we take that one step further, we realize like from childhood, they had the story that I'm not enough. And so then we acknowledge that you see how like we acknowledge the entire challenge, Mm -hmm. which is also taking responsibility that like, I don't have to continue doing this anymore. So acknowledging the challenge is also where we're taking responsibility for our own actions. Because remember the wound isn't our fault. It may not be our fault, but the healing is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so after we set the stage, we pinpoint the root cause, we acknowledge the challenge, then we release so that we can heal. So I walk my clients through visualizations that they can really energetically heal the relationship with that main person who has caused that wound. And there might be more than one person, but there's always one specific person who has really created the root cause of that wound. And then once we release that, lots of tears, you know, every single session that I've had has it resulted in tears, which is great because you're actually releasing that mm-hmm. energy. And then at the end of that, they have the keys to freedom. So they find that after doing that release, the learnings and the lessons that came from that session gives them everything that they need to continue moving forward, whether it's finding that soulmate relationship or building that business or losing the weight. So yeah, that's kind of the session that I walk them through. And then, you know, I also educate them on like generational trauma and why that's also caused their childhood wounds as well as, um, sorry, I just like lost my train of thought, but yeah, generational trauma. And then, yeah. Can you explain that? What generational trauma is? So generational trauma, you can kind of study this with epigenetics, but essentially the basis of this is that residues of traumatic events that happen to your grandparents, great grandparents, parents can actually be carried through your DNA um, or carry through cells, which affects your DNA. Um, and you can, you can inherit that. So essentially we can inherit the traumatic residues from previous generations. And, um, studies have also, there's a woman named Dr. Rachel Yehuda. She studies a lot in PTSD. So she's a leading expert in PTSD. And she did a lot of studies on like Holocaust survivors. And she found that if our parents had PTSD, then we are three times more likely to experience symptoms of PTSD. So like depression, anxiety, et cetera. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. If it's passed down like genetically then, like it's in your DNA, you can still heal that? A hundred percent. I mean, um, like I said, the wounds may not be our fault, but the healing is our responsibility. So we have, every single one of us has the power to rewrite generational stories and to prevent cycles from happening. Because when you start healing yourself, like, you know, I carried a lot of depression and anxiety from like my family. I carried a lot of stories and I've worked on healing them, rewriting them. And there's no doubt in my mind that my future, gener- my future children will not experience any of that they'll probably still carry those, the DNA because of it being passed down from like my parents. And then even like me when I was born, cause a female fetus is born with all the eggs she'll ever have in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. So whatever, you know, that the eggs that I have inside of me, whatever happened when I was like really young and like in my environment, my biological environment inside of my mom, you know, the, the craziness, the stress, the franticness, obviously that's going to affect the egg, but how I parent my child, how I raise them, you know, the connection and communication that I have with them, 
can help that from getting even from it actually like actually being something right mm-hmm. just because you can inherit that stress means that maybe you're more susceptible to being more stressed or more susceptible to experiencing those symptoms but if you have a really if you actually have a childhood where it's surrounded by love and understanding and be able to express your emotions you can see how symptoms wouldn't necessarily occur to that level does that make sense yeah so how do you determine then if you have say i like i have anxiety how do mm-hmm. how would i know if that was like a generational trauma or something from my right. childhood so i would ask you what was your like what your mom and dad's like upbringing like or even what was your upbringing like right mm-hmm. um when we start diving into our family history we start realizing that like oh shit like my parents like they had a pretty messed up childhood mm-hmm. and then you start understanding that like wow like my mom and dad have a lot of anxiety like I feel like it wasn't really until like our generation that we really started talking about like mental health and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But like mental health has been around forever. People just didn't even realize it, especially in my culture. Like people are in denial that they even have like mental health problems. But yeah, so I would say ask like your, like, what was your upbringing like? Um, What was your mom or your dad's upbringing like? Because we can inherit it from both sides of the family. And then when you can start to see patterns, you'll start to be like, oh shit, like my mom did have a lot of anxiety when she was pregnant with me, Mm. right? Interesting. Can it like, now I'm like fascinated by this because I've never had anybody tell me this before, but what if like maybe my grandma had it, but my mom didn't, can it then like, does it skip generations or like maybe it just didn't show up for her based on how she was raised or, you know, something like that? So remember, um, when I say, keep saying remember as if you already knew this, but uh, when your grandma was five months pregnant with your mom, the precursor cell of the egg that you developed from was actually present in your mom's ovaries. So when your grandma was five months pregnant, the three of you guys share the same biological environment. So mm. let's say your grandma went through a war or your grandma experienced like your grandpa cheated on her or like your, there's, you know, substance abuse in your family, like X, Y, and Z, like your grandma experienced some sort of like turmoil while she's pregnant with your mom. That affects your mom while she was in like while your mom was in the womb or sorry when you're yeah when your mom was in the Mm -hmm. womb and then that also affects the cell that is present in your mom which affects you Mm -hmm. so there's not a part of me that believes that you know if you have anxiety and like your grandma and we don't even have to say you this can be an example hypothetically um hypothetically, if you have anxiety and then your grandma had anxiety, but you don't believe your mom had anxiety, there's not a single part of me that believes that she didn't have it at all whatsoever. Mm. Maybe she just like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just really hard. But again, like it can quote unquote skip, but I just, there's, there's everything inside of me is like, there's some level of anxiety, maybe just not like heightened anxiety. Yeah. You know, for example, like you growing up in this day and age, right? We have so much external stimulation. Like we have social media, we have just like this pressure to, to look good and feel good. So a lot of us in this generation experience that additional anxiety on top of it. So your mom, or this mom probably experienced anxiety on like a different level than like you did, but it's still anxiety and like anxious feelings at the same, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I mean, it makes sense, but it, you know, who knew? 
Right. So like anybody who's like listening and wants to like dive more into this, um, the person that I'm going through my inherited family trauma facilitator training is Mark Wolin. So M-A-R-K-W-O-L-Y-N-N. And he has a book called It Didn't Start With You. Um, and it's called How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are and How We End the Cycle. So he talks a lot about like, you know, anxiety, trauma in there, lots of like research from other people. So everything that I'm kind of just sharing now is like really comes from his work. So if you're ever interested and want to dive even deeper in this for yourself, um, I highly recommend either checking him out or reading that book. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. What are some tools that you usually give a client to help them through. Like if you're Mm -hmm. recognizing like, okay, I'm starting to feel anxious. What's something you can do? So I'm not a licensed therapist or mental health professional. So I definitely want to just put that out there. So I'm definitely not like, I can't, I'm not legally able to give specific like cures or whatever for depression and anxiety. But I will say, um, there are definitely tools to help with depression symptoms and anxious feelings. And some of the things that are, you know, really helpful with that is the inner child work, dude, like so much of this anxiety, anxious feelings that we carry and, you know, depression symptoms, like I said, like if our parent had PTSD, then we're three times more likely to experience symptoms of PTSD, like anxiety, like depression. So during those times, like really diving into our family history and really looking at the patterns, because oftentimes we're carrying things that aren't even ours to begin with. You know, I didn't realize that I was carrying anxiety and depression from my great, like from my grandparents that weren't even mine. So when you start to realize that like, wow, like I've inherited this and and like, I don't have to continue holding on to this anymore. You can really begin that healing journey. So like healing your inner child, really being able to let the past stay in the past. Um, things that help with that is like meditation, hypnosis, journaling every single day, um, going out in nature, like really putting yourself in nature in our homes, like our homes are really toxic environments. Like not only is the air really like there's so much toxic air quality in our home. So really getting, getting out, you know, going out into the forest, going to the beaches, going into the mountains where you're actually with mother nature's elements, you'll notice that your mindset and your energy a hundred percent changes. Like people say like mother nature's healing for a reason. So I would say definitely those things. And then obviously, you know, reach out to a professional that knows what they're doing and actually has your best interest at heart. Like I said, I feel like there is a time and place for mental health professionals like psychiatrists, psychologists, and therapists. And, you know, obviously reach out to professionals that you feel like you resonate with and can help you. You know, I work with clients in timeline therapy. So time techniques and what this, what I do is, it's a version of hypnosis in a way, if you, if you want to call it that, where I bring people back onto their subconscious timeline and we get to the root cause of their fear, root cause of their anger, their sadness, their guilt. And um, through like visualization and we heal from that place, you know, so we remove the feelings of anger, sadness, guilt, and all that. And so when you remove that, you can start to see how like the symptoms will start to kind of like start to dissipate. Hmm. So. I think that's a really good point you make of like finding the right person to work with because I've been to 
licensed therapist before and it was not for me. I learned like every mm. week I would go and it just, I kept it. I like felt worse and worse about myself every week because it was like constantly talking about what was wrong. Yeah. And I, once I realized that I was like, this isn't the method for me. And I, I switched to things like, I, I guess you could call it like more of a spiritual approach, I guess, like that resonated with me and that has helped me the most. But I know people who swear by therapists and I'm like, if that works for you, like by all means, keep going. Yeah. But I, I felt it within me, like, this isn't, this isn't it. And so I think you'll know. Yeah, you'll know. But then at the same time, so many people don't trust them enough, trust themselves enough mm. to believe that they know, right? Because they have the media and they have everybody else being like, you need a therapist, you need this X, Y, and Z. So then they think that, well, because this therapist doesn't work for me, that I'm fucked. <sighs> you know, a lot of what you and I are talking about, right? Like, meditation or hypnosis or time techniques or emotional freedom techniques. A lot of people in the science community deem it as pseudoscience. People think that it has to be like, everything needs to be scientifically researched for it to work. But in order for things to be scientifically researched, it needs to be like peer reviewed. There needs to be like all these like different tests and stuff like that. So it's like interesting to me that so many people deem something as pseudoscience, but without even trying it themselves. And they'll completely write off all the thousands and millions, sorry, thousands and millions of people who have been like, this has changed my life. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people see like hypnosis and they're like, this is pseudoscience. I actually am somebody who really likes the spiritual side. And then if somebody can mix it with the scientific, because I just find that fascinating. And I think Dr. Joe Dispenza does a really yeah. good job with that. I've read a lot of his books my favorite one that I told everybody to read was You Are the Placebo. I don't know if you've read it. but mm, No, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard about it. But it's fascinating because he does all these studies around like some of them are around meditation and whatever, and he's doing brain scans and like they're looking at the brain waves and this and that. And then like also like what's happening on a spiritual or like energetic level. And, and that's what I find fascinating because I feel like you can see in like the scans of the brain what the meditation changed. I find it like just fascinating. Funny that you say this though, because like me and you, like we'll look at that. We're like, that's science to us. But then mm -hmm. there's people who are like really knee deep in the science community who still see people like Dr. Joe Dispenza and still think that he's preaching pseudoscience. That's so interesting to me because I feel like he does a really good job explaining like here's what like neuron is triggering in your brain that's like firing which is causing this chemical yeah. reaction over here and to me i'm like yeah i learned about this in like biology you know yeah so it's just it's it's just interesting you see like the the science world and then you see the spiritual mm -hmm. world and like my hope is that we're really going to see like a merging of the two i also think it's a good reminder of like do what works for you you know yeah. If I wish more people thought about that though. Like, like, I think if we can all just get back to it of like, this works for me and I'm going to stick with it. It's, yeah. it's the same thing when you're like, you know, if you get in that cycle of comparing yourself to others, you start listening so much to what everybody else is saying that you're like, I don't know who I am. But then when you come back right. to yourself, you're like, oh, I know who I am. I know what works for me. I know what I'm doing. And if you can just like stay in your own lane, you know, like you'll, yeah. you'll find it. I feel like if we all just like tapped into our intuition more and just like trusted that gut feeling, like 
you have it for a reason. I promise. Like, I, I trust it so much. Uh, yeah. That we can, we can like manifest, you know, for a world where more people are really tapping into their intuition and like listening to that voice. Totally. Okay. I wanted to end with, um, EFT because this is something that when I start feeling like out of control or like chaotic, or I sense that anxiety, it's something that like can really quickly ground me again. Um, and I feel like it's a tool that a lot of people don't know about. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what it is? So EFT is loosely based off of like acupuncture and acupressure. Um, and so it uses the same basic energy meridians of those things. And so your body is like this entire like energy system. So, you know, back in the day, you know, those like big, big, big TVs. Um, and like, there's all these like wires in the back. And so if you ever like jammed a screwdriver inside, it's going to disrupt the flow of energy. So think about negative experience, like, and when I say negative, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, well, like you won't, like, if you think about it as negative, then it's going to be negative. But like, there's positive, there's negative, there's light, there's dark. Negative is just a thing. You know what I mean? So if you're ever experiencing any of those negative emotions that aren't positive, so whether it's like anger, sadness, hurt, guilt, shame, jealousy, any of those feelings, think about that as like a screwdriver being jammed into your energy system. And so what you want to do is you want to get rid of that screwdriver so that your system can kind of like continue working again. So there's eight basic energy meridian energy systems on our body. And so when it comes to EFT, um, essentially what you're doing is you are first bringing light to what that problem or situation is. So let's say if you're having a headache or maybe you, yeah, let's just say we're having a headache, right? So you want to acknowledge that headache first. So there's three parts to it. There's a sequence. Sorry. There's like the setup. Um, and then there's the, I'm trying to like remember off the top of my head right now. So there's the, the setup. And so what you want to do with the setup, and actually you can watch my video. It's really, really hard to like explain it on like an yeah. audio recording. But the basis of this is, is that you are tapping and you are repeating that problem that you have. So that thing that's causing that disruption. So that headache. So then you're tapping on those energy points on your body and you're repeating that problem. So this headache, this headache, this headache, this headache. Um, And then the next part of this is you're going to be tapping the energy meridians on your body again, and you're repeating a positive affirmation that the thing that you want to feel. So for example, um, you know, I feel calm and rested where I feel loving, calm, and rested. And so then you're just, it's like a, it's, it's also kind of like you rewiring what that feeling is in your body, if that makes sense. And so when you kind of think about this, it's very similar to a limiting belief, because when you have a limiting belief, in order to get rid of that limiting belief, you have to acknowledge it first. And as human beings, we are so quick to be like, I don't have this headache and they keep trying to push through. Mm -hmm. So that's why one of the first parts of the sequence is acknowledging what that problem is so that you're not just like going into denial. Yeah. I've found it really helpful. Um, Like how we were saying earlier, like when you're on autopilot and you're pushing away and like not acknowledging the headache or whatever, it brings you back in your body. I swear there's like something that happens where when you're not present, you're not fully in your body. Um, and mm-hmm. this is one of those things where it's like, you just like 
I don't know, it like brings you back to the present moment and like, okay, let me realign for a second. Yeah. Well, because you're tapping into your actual body. So oftentimes like we're just so go, go, go. And so, like you said, we're out of our body. Like when we tune into our body, we close our eyes and we take the three deep breaths. Our body always knows the answer. Our body always like will tell you what it needs, but oftentimes we don't trust our body enough. Like we don't give ourselves that time to tune into our body. So when you're doing EFT, you're really, not only are you tapping into the energy meridians that really help you, um, like just shift your energy around, you're actually tuning into your body and giving it the attention that it needs so that it can release whatever it is that it needs to get rid of to start to feel better and to move forward. It's so interesting. There's just like so many different things you can do to like help yourself. It's, I really think it comes back to like taking the second to ask yourself the question of like, what's happening. Yeah. Why? Amazing. Okay. Where can everybody find you? So evolve with Evelyn on my website, on YouTube, on Instagram and on TikTok. It's just evolve with Evelyn everywhere. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me on. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing all of this. This is so much fun.